And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. (laughs) Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, you know, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl, my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, I'll present the conclusion to the Abbott and Costello show with special guest Lynn Berry from 1943. Then Loretta Young stars in the murder mystery Rebecca on the Screen Guild Theater from 1948. With me, as always, is my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hi, Carl. We're back again. Here we we're are. We're always here. I feel yeah. like we just left, and yeah. now we're back. I know. <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun. So what's happening in Hollywood? Well, Carl, who is the highest paid TV actress, according to Forbes magazine? This is highest data paid. from... June 1st, 2015 TV to, June, to June 1st, 2016. Um, I just... I'm going to give you a big clue. Okay. She is the fifth straight... This is the fifth straight time she has won this honor. A TV actress. And she's on a big show right now? Yep. Ah, uh, Jennifer Lopez. I don't know. No. Wah, wah, wah. I don't know. <laughs> She's on a. She doesn't. She play like a detective on a TV show. I think. Yeah, but it just started. I think. All right. This so year. who am I not thinking it's about? Sophia Vergara. Oh yeah. Can you believe yeah, that? Now, yeah. of course, she's from Modern Family, yeah. and she made forty three million dollars this year. Which what? Is a, wait, a sixty six percent jump over last year's earnings. But of course, I got to figure out how to date that woman. Or make $43 million. Like no, I'd just rather does. date her. That'd be a lot easier. It's so much easier. So much. Um, she's married. Oh, I just thought I'd mention is? that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's married Joe to that Mangiello. big dude. Okay, no problem. Okay, no, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> I am backing way, way off. That guy would crush me. Yeah, he could he just look at just, you and crush you. He'd stomp on me. So while she earns, I'm sure she earns millions from her, yeah. uh, you know, role on uh, Modern Family. I don't know if you watch her. Yeah, She's but Gloria. she does a lot of uh, she does a lot of endorsements. Stuff like uh, that, right. She does head and shoulder shampoo. Yeah, room to go furniture and. I don't know what this is. Cheetah printed nurse scrubs. I don't know. That I must be something have, she does, but uh, I'm not familiar with those. I don't have any of neither. those. Do you? No. No? Yeah. All right. We'll have to look into that. would be a great birthday present. Well, that's a lot thinking. of shekels. Yes, it is. 43. Second place is Kaylee Cuoco. Oh, yeah. From the Big yeah. Bang Theory. Bing, Bang 24.5 million. Jeez. And third place. Now, she's single. She's single. All right, then. Yeah. Go Kaylee, for it. My number is... Eight four seven. Keep going. <laughs> Go ahead. And third place is Mindy Kaling, fifteen million. The Mindy Project. Oh wow. Right? Okay. Well. So you know there we you have go. some things to strive toward. All right. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs> Thanks, Carl. All right. It's time now for the conclusion to the Abbott and Costello show. We started this last time. Let's go back to December sixteenth, nineteen forty-three. Their special guest is Lynn Berry. The conclusion now of the Abbott and Costello show. 
Gee, Miss Barry, how did you ever know, and how did you ever find me in this butcher shop? Where else would I look for a fat meatball? <laughs> See here, Costello, I'm supposed to do a play on your program tonight. Where do you expect to put it on, in this butcher shop? And why not? Lots of plays were done about butcher shops. Did you ever hear of Hamlet? The Merchant of Venison? <laughs> you ever hear of Baby's Irish Roast? Oh, come on. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah? Ridiculous, huh? How about the story about a hog? Pygmalion. Oh, that's crazy. Crazy, huh? They even wrote a great picture about cows. What picture? What out canal dairy? <laughs> Boy, did I milk that one. <laughs> to think of it. How about your last picture? Hit the eyes. There was no meat in that one. I don't know. I saw two hams in it. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Lynn. Don't pay any attention to Costello. He isn't very B-R-I-G-H-T. Yes, he does appear to be rather S-T-U-P-I-D. I heard that. What do you think I am, a D-O-P-P? <laughs> Listen, Mr. Abbott, what about this play? Well, Lynn, it's an original play, and Costello will be your leading man. Costello, he could never play that part. Why not? My leading man must be able to brush me into his arms, sweep me off his, off my feet, and carry me away. You don't want a leading man. You want a street cleaner. <laughs> Costello, that's no way to talk to our guest. Can't well, you be nice? Yes. Miss Barry, if you'll do this play with me in the butcher shop, I'll take you out after the broadcast. We'll go for a drive. But, Lou, there's no more pleasure driving. Yeah, but there's still pleasure parking. Ah. <laughs> Park in a coop with a droop. Your technique is all wrong, Costello. Is if that you want so? to take out a beautiful girl like Lynn Barry, the first thing to do is hire a limousine and chauffeur. A Rolls Royce, of course. Then you buy me flowers. Orchids, naturally. Then cocktails at the Windsor House. Dinner at Romanoff. With caviar. And champagne. Then tickets for the theater. First row. After that, you make the rounds of the nightclub. Winding up at the Trocadero. Uh, then you get into your limousine again and drive down Wiltshire Boulevard. Stop the car! Stop the car! What for? I want to stop at the finance company and make a loan. Well, Costello, we're all ready to do your play. What's it all about? Oh, it's a great story, Abbott. It's about Buffalo Bill and the Wild West. And you play a Western gal, Miss Barry. Can I play a Western gal? Why, wow, where I come from, they all call me Tex. Where you all come from, Tex? Oklahoma. <laughs> Just a second, Costello. Since when are you a Western character? Are you kidding, partner? What he used to call me Six-Gun Costello. But I had to change it to Two-Gun. Why? Because with six guns, every time I took a step, my pants fell down. <laughs> yuck, 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 yuck. <laughs> That's another character for you. <laughs> well, Six-Gun, I'll agree to play the part. Sounds fun, squad to me. What's that... I said it sounds fawn squaw. Oh, fawn squaw. I used to hunt boar down there every year. <laughs> Yo. All right, look, I don't, I don't believe all this, Costello. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. You don't know anything about the West. Oh, no. I was raised on a dud ranch. You mean a dude ranch? I said dud. No women. Must have been near No Gals, Arizona. Har, har. Foreign squad. Oh, no, look. This, yeah. Look, uh, Lou, this is ridiculous. Must be a couple of Southern no, cowboys. Go ahead, Ken. Set the scene. Go ahead. Oh. And now... 
Somebody better set the scene. And now, our play of the evening, a saga of the adventurous West, The Life of Buffalo Bill, brought to you direct from Meyer's Butcher Shop and starring the Abbott and Costello Pickle Pigs Feet Players. (laughs) And as an extra special attraction, Meyer has goose liver at 10 cents a pound. As the scene opens, Buffalo Bill Costello and Buckskin Abbott are on the trail. Suddenly, a shot rings out. Hello! Hello? This is Meyer on the wire. Hello there, Meyer. What's new with Sophie? It's still a very slow process. Look, I can't talk to you now, Meyer. Call me back. This is the craziest play I ever heard. When do I come in? In just a second, Lynn. Costello and I are still on the trail approaching the camp of your father. Uh, read your line, Costello. Oh, yeah. Buckskin, bud. It's getting dark, and we're going to run into a heap of trouble. Yes, Buffalo. We don't reach the stockade by sundown. The Indians will massacre us in the dark. They'll scalp us alive. Well, what are you going to do? we got to get word through to Gene Autry. Uh, Gene Autry? <laughs> shh, shh. Buffalo, look. Here comes an Indian chief. He's going to speak to us. Oh. Oh. Pula, gala, pala, mula. Ow. Mila, pula, gunda, munda. Malabala. Uh, Costello. I didn't know you spoke Indian. I don't. Something went wrong with my typewriter. Uh, <laughs> me. <laughs> me welcome you. Me, Chief Flatfoot. Who gave you that name? Great White Father? No. Great White Draft Boy. Uh, <laughs> Chief Flatfoot, I'll come to marry your daughter, Moon Eyes. The one over there. Moon Eyes could not come. I am her sister, Cross Eyes. <laughs> Me glad to meet you. Greetings, white fish. Not fish, face. Greetings, fish face. <laughs> I don't think she... I don't think she likes you, uh, Buffalo. Now, let me handle this. Look here, Cross Eyes. I want to marry you. Now, what do you say, gal? No marry you. Me marry the bicarbonate kid. The bicarbonate, bicarbonate kid? kid? Yes. Uh, Wild Bill Hiccup. I used to know him as Hopalong Acidity. Then everything is settled. White man, you go. What's that? I've been an Indian scout for nigh on to 20 years. And you're the most despicable, obnoxious, incorrigible renegade that I've ever encountered. Them's hard words, Buffalo. Hard words? You're right. But I said them. <laughs> Buffalo Bill, you be careful what you say to my father. He's strong in the I chief. smell him. Yes, no. <laughs> He's strong. Me not wear shoes. Me not wear clothes. Me sleep in wind, rain, and snow. No roof. Me eat raw corn, raw meat, raw fish. You do all that? Yes, and I'm sick and tired of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, boy, what a play. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> well, Indian girl, I want you to marry me. It's no use. You cannot marry me unless you get my mother's consent. I've taken care of that, Cross Eyes. I married your mother, so now I'm your father. So listen, daughter, you have my consent to marry me as soon as I can get a divorce from your old lady, your mother. <laughs> Wait a minute, Buffalo. The Indians are going to attack us. Me afraid, Buffalo. Don't worry, Cross Eyes. Get behind me. If you hear a shot, get in front of me. Look out. Here they come. Run for your lives. <laughs> Hello, Louie. It's me, Meyer. 
Mayor. I'm back. Oh, boy, what a play. Costello, Abbott, Miss Barry, I want to thank you sincerely for watching my butcher shop while my wife, Sophie, is having a crisis. Gee, Mayor. Well, tell me, what happened? Such a day. Girls with white uniforms are rushing in and out. I'm walking up and down. I'm biting my nails. I couldn't eat nothing. But everything turned out wonderful. Sophie is resting up. I'm so excited. Gosh, what a lucky fellow. Congratulations, Maya. Yeah. What was it, a boy or a girl? The most beautiful permanent babe you ever saw. <laughs> Well, Lynn Barry, thanks for being our guest tonight. Just a minute, bud. Look, Costello, I want to know how that play ended before Maya came in. Oh, it was a terrific finish. I'm standing on a hill, all alone. Ten thousand blood-curdling Indians are coming at me. How many? One thousand screaming redskins. How many? Fifty ferocious savages. How many? So I killed the old squaw. Foreign squaw! Let me out of here! Let us all out of here! Good night, folks. Good night, neighbors. Good night to everybody in Patterson, New Jersey. And that's the Evident Costello Show, December 16th, 1943, with special guest Lynn Berry, as heard on NBC. Hope you like that. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, dearie, is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. This is Hollywood 360. I'm Carl Amari. To my right, Lisa Wolf. To my left, Mike Costella, our executive producer. And it's time now for a good murder mystery on the Screen Guild Theater. Let's go back to November 18, 1948. For Rebecca, starring Loretta Young, here's part one of the Screen Guild Theater. From Hollywood, Loretta Young and John Lund in the great screen classic, Rebecca. Yes, from Hollywood, the Screen Guild players, your favorite stars in their greatest motion picture roles. Tonight, it's a famous best-selling novel so magnificently transferred to the screen by David O. Selznick that it was undisputed winner of an Academy Award. In answer to frequent and insistent requests... The Screen Guild Players present Rebecca, starring John Lund and Academy Award winner Loretta Young. Last night I went to Mandalay again. But even as I saw the Iron Gate, the winding drive, and the great old house itself, I knew, as dreamers always do, that it was just a dream. Mandalay is no more. We can never go back, that much is certain. Yet somehow in my secret thoughts, I do go back. 
to the strange days of my life which began for me in the south of France. I was very young and very poor. And because I had no family of my own, I had taken employment as the paid companion of a rich old woman. That's how I happened to be in Monte Carlo. And that's how I happened to meet Maxim de Winter. I was walking along the cliffs one day above the sea. I saw a man step toward the edge. To jump, I thought. And almost without knowing it, I cried out, No! No, stop! What the devil are you shouting about? Who are you? Oh. What are you staring at? Oh, I... I'm sorry, sir. I, I... I didn't mean to stare. I... Well, I thought you were going to... Oh, you did, did you? Yes. What are you doing here? I... I was only walking. Well, get on with your walking, then. I can do very well without your screaming. That afternoon, they told me who he was. Maxime de Winter, the master of Mandalay. They said that his wife had died the year before and that he'd come to Monte Carlo to forget. I had no right to hope, a dowdy, awkward, penniless girl. But when he spoke to me the next day and apologized and, and asked to go along and watch me sketch, my heart leaped up in my throat and choked back the frightened no I might have said. We saw a great deal of each other after that. He was all generosity and charm. We danced and talked, and then one night we walked along the sea. A lovely night. The air was like wine. You're very quiet this evening. I, I was thinking. I, I wish there could be an invention that... Well, that bottled up memories like perfume. And then I could uncork the bottle and live the memory all over again. Sometimes the memory might grow stale or horrible. Oh, I, I wish I were a woman in 36 dressed in black satin with a string of pearls. You wouldn't be here with me if you were. Oh, oh good heavens, what brought that on? I... Here, blow your nose. Uh, I'm so sorry, Mr. DeWinter. And don't call me Mr. DeWinter. I have a very impressive array of first names. Oh. George Fortescue Maximilian. You needn't bother with them all at once. My family calls me Maxim. I'm not your family. You will be, when we're married. Married? Why not? Of course, if you don't love me. Oh, but I do. I love you most dreadfully. I, I cried all last night because I love you so much. And I... Bless you for that. <laughs> but you don't understand. You see, I, I don't belong in your sort of world. And uh, what is my sort of world? Well, oh, Mandalay. A great estate and... Oh, you, you know what I mean. Suppose you let me be the judge of that. Only you'll have to promise me one thing. What? Promise me you'll never wear black satin or pearls and never be 36 years old. Mrs. Maxim de Winter, mistress of Mandalay. I said it over and over to myself all through our honeymoon and still... I just couldn't believe it was true. And then suddenly we were home at Mandalay. The wide green lawns, the curving road, the vastness of the house itself, the staff lined up to welcome me. Uh, this is Frank Crawley, who manages the estate. I'm glad to meet you, Mrs. De Winter. I'm terribly happy for Maxim's sake. This is Frith, the butler. We are glad to welcome you, madam. Robert, the second man. We hope madam will like it here. The cooks, the maids, the gardeners, they all seemed glad to have me there. All but the housekeeper, Mrs. Danvers. Alice will come up and help you dress, madam. 
Oh, oh, thank you, Mrs. Dan. Alice is the parlor maid. She look after you till your own maid arrives. Oh, well, I, I haven't any maid. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that Alice will do nicely. I'm afraid not, madam. It's usual for ladies in your position to have a personal maid. Well, if you think so. Mrs. Danvers, I hope we'll be friends. This sort of life is new to me, and well, I'll rely on you. You've been here at Mandalay for a long while, haven't you? I came when the first Mrs. De Winter was a bride. Oh. Mrs. De Winter. The first Mrs. De Winter. Sometimes through the days that followed, it seemed that she was Maxim's wife, not I. In every room, there was some little sign of her. A glove. An address book. Some correspondence paper with her name engraved on it. Rebecca. That was her name. I learned to know it very well. And if I once forgot and tried to make myself the mistress of my home, Mrs. Danvers was always at my side. If I wanted a fire in the drawing room... Mrs. Dwinter never lit the fire in here till afternoon. Or if I spoke of going for a stroll... Mrs. Dwinter always instructed the gardeners after lunch. Or if I left a salad to the cook... Mrs. Dwinter was most particular about salads, madam. No matter where I turned, Rebecca had been there before still there, in a sense, to mock my helplessness. Not only in the house itself, but outside, too. The day I walked along the beach and came upon a lovely cottage in a cove. Her cottage, as I soon found out. Her books, her robes, her monogram on everything. I closed the door, raced back blindly toward the house, and suddenly Maxim was standing in my way. Where have you been? Oh, Walking along the beach. Cottage? Why, yes. Did you go inside? Well, Maxim, the door was open and I... Don't ever go there again. You hear? But Maxim, I... I hate the place. And if you had my memories, you wouldn't go there or talk about it or make me think about it. Oh, Maxim. What is it? Nothing. Oh, forget it, my dear. Just forget all about it. Are you a fan of classic radio? Shows like Abbott and Costello. What's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Gunsmoke. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Inner Sanctum. This is your host to welcome you in through the squeaking door. Fibber McGee and Molly. What day is this? Oh, no, let me see. This, theory is our 15th wedding anniversary. And many more. As a thank you for listening to this show, we want to give you 10 of the best classic radio shows of all time absolutely free. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com to get them today. You'll receive complete episodes of Sam Spade, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Suspense, Abbott and Costello, Inner Sanctum, X-1, Gunsmoke, Our Miss Brooks, and Lights Out. Just log on to Hollywood360radio.com. And receive your 10 free classic radio shows today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. I want to remind all of our listeners, we have a website for this show. It's uh, Hollywood360radio.com. There's a million zillion pictures of Lisa Wolf there. There's also a store where you can check out uh, all kinds of fun uh, classic radio shows available on CD and via digital download. We have some uh, DVDs of classic television shows, 
And, I and don't our know. schedule, yeah, which our is most there important. Too, yeah. So if you don't want to wait for us to post it, sometimes we're a little slower than other times. Yeah, you're slow. Yeah. Go to the website, Hollywood360radio.com. Check out our schedule. Absolutely right. And we're, uh, there's also a podcast there. The following, uh, the, uh, the podcast is put up on the Monday following the week that it broadcasts. So you can get our podcast of uh, last week's show every Monday. Just go to Hollywood360radio.com. There's also a bonus hour there. And see what I got here, Lisa? I sure do, Carl. The new issue of Remind Magazine. There's a picture of President Kennedy on the cover of it. They also talk about Ronald Reagan and all kinds of presidents of the past. There's all kinds of puzzles and games. They have crossword puzzles. They have trivia contests. There's classic comics, vintage advertising. There's all kinds of stuff from uh, days gone by. I think you'd really like this magazine. It's America's monthly blast from the past. Each month, Remind focuses on pop culture themes from a place in time from the 1950s through the 1980s, and it covers such a wide spectrum of topics that a single issue may feature both Marilyn Monroe and Marilyn Manson. And I was going to mention this is the September issue. You can look forward to the October issue. It will be out soon. And the article you wrote for the October issue is? It's on the War of the Worlds. There you go. Now, Remind is available at Barnes & Noble stores throughout the country. But since I write for the magazine, I'll let you in on a secret. You can get it for about 60% off of the uh, the newsstand price by ordering it online at remindmagazine.com just go to remindmagazine.com and check it out i think i think people will really love this magazine it's a terrific magazine all right lisa it's time now for the conclusion to rebecca starring loretta young also in the cast john lund let's go back to november 18 1948 for the conclusion of the screen guild theater Yes? Oh, good morning, Mrs. DeWinter. Come in. I, I know you're very busy, Mr. Crowley. Well, the estate does take a bit of managing, especially now that Maxim's back. Am I interfering? Oh, not at all. Won't you sit down? Oh, thank you. I, uh... I was down at the cottage on the beach the other day. Oh, were you? Yes. It, it seems to be going to rack and ruin. Well, I, I think if Maxim wanted anything done about it, he'd tell me. Oh, uh, those are all Rebecca's things down there. Why, uh, yes, they are. Uh, What did she use the cottage for? The boat used to be moored near there. What boat? Uh, What happened to it? Well, you see, um, it capsized and sank the night Rebecca was drowned. Oh, she was drowned? She was on the boat alone. There was a storm. She was washed overboard. Well, where did they find her? Near Edgecombe, about two months later. Mm. Maxim went up to identify her. It was horrible for him. Uh, Mr. Crowley, please don't think me morbidly curious. I promise I won't bring this up again, but would you answer just one more question? If I can. Uh, what was Rebecca really like? Well, I suppose... I suppose she was the most beautiful creature I ever saw. She'd been beautiful, very beautiful. Maxim still loved her. That's all I could think about for days. And then women-like, I thought, I'll force him to forget. I'll make him think of me. I'll be beautiful, too. 
First of all, a new coiffure. Darling, what on earth have you done to your hair? Makeup, which I'd never used. My dear, aren't you wearing too much rouge? A whole new wardrobe of expensive clothes. Really, do you think that dress is quite your type? I tried so hard and saw only annoyance on his face. Or worse, amusement. And the bored indulgence that one saves habitually for a child. And still I would not yield. I was so pitifully eager as the summer costume ball approached. I thought if I can find a costume that'll make him proud of me, something different, so that it'll be the envy of all of his friends. And strangely enough, it was Mrs. Danvers who gave me the idea. If I may suggest it, madam, I think you might find a costume to suit you among the family portraits. Oh, you mean in the gallery at the top of the stairs? There's one in particular that might have been designed for you. I'm sure you could have it copied. Oh, really? Which one? One of Mr. De Winter's ancestors. Yes. Lady Carolyn. Oh, yes, it's very lovely. Do you think you'll like it? I've heard Mr. De Winter say it's his favorite of all the paintings. Oh, that would be a splendid idea. And thank you, Mrs. Danvers. I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful indeed. Maxim, where's that young wife of yours? Oh, she'll be down presently. Fussing with her gown, I suppose. It's her first ball, you know. Oh, what's she wearing, Max? I have the remotest idea. She's kept it a great secret. Wouldn't even let me... Oh, oh, there she is now. I'm so glad she's coming down. I want to... Good heavens. Oh, Lord. Good evening, Maxim. What the devil do you think you're doing? Maxim. Where did you get that gown? Well, it... Is the picture the one in the gallery? Go and take it off. Maxim, what have I done? What is it? That was the dress Rebecca wore at the ball last year. I thought my world had ended when Maxim spoke to me that way, in hate and anger as our guest looked on. I turned and stumbled up the stairs, and as I reached the top, somehow through my tears, I noticed that a door was being closed. The door of her room, Rebecca's room, and I knew who was there. And I was wild and hurt and almost hysterical. Straight to that door I walked and opened it. You've come upstairs. You didn't enjoy the ball very much, did you? You know, you know she wore this gown last year. You deliberately suggested it for me. Why? Tried to take her place. You let him marry you. I've seen his face, his eyes. They haven't changed since those weeks after she died. No. I used to hear him walking up and down, up and down all night long, night after night. No. Thinking of her. Suffering torture because he'd lost. I don't want it, no, I don't you want it. You thought you could live in her house, walk in her steps, oh, take the alone. things that were hers. But you can't. She's too strong for no. you. No one ever got the better of her. Never. No. Never. She was beaten in the end. Stop. It wasn't a man, it wasn't a woman. Stop. It was the sea. Please stop it. You're open, oh. madam. Oh. I'll open the window for you. Oh, please don't. <laughs> A little air will do you good. Oh, please. And you can hear the sea. No. Why don't you go? Why don't you leave Mandalay? No. He doesn't need you. He has his memories. He oh. wants to be alone with her. You've nothing to stay for. No. Nothing to live for, really. 
look down there. Off the cliff. Oh. It would be easy, wouldn't it? No. Why don't you? Why don't you go? No. Go on. Go on. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Maxim anywhere. Not for an hour or more. I thought he'd gone back to oh, the no, house. No, no, he hasn't been in the house at all. Oh, I'm worried, Frank. I... You are too. I can see it in your face. Frank, there's something wrong. Well... Tell me, tell me, what is it? The diver who went down to inspect the bottom of the ship... Yes? ...found the hull of another boat, a little sailboat. Frank, is it? Yes, it's Rebecca's. Oh, where is he, Frank? In the cottage. He said he wanted to be alone. You haven't had any sleep. I, I've been worried about you. You love me, don't you? Yes. Yes, I love you very much. Thank you. I wanted to hear you say it just once more. Oh, darling, I'll say it many times again all my life. No. No, it's all over now. Rebecca has won. Maxim, what are you saying? They sent a diver down. He found another boat. Yes, I know. Rebecca's boat... It's terrible for you now, but maybe soon, darling. It's going to be worse. The diver broke one of the ports and looked into the cabin. There's a body in there. Then she... she wasn't alone. Someone was with her. I'm afraid not. There was no one with her. It's Rebecca's body that's lying in there. Oh, no. When I identified that other woman, I knew it wasn't Rebecca. I knew where Rebecca's body was. Lying in that cabin on the bottom of the sea. How? How did you know? Because I put it there. Now, will you look into my eyes and tell me that you love me very much? Oh, Max. You see, I was right. It's all over Oh, now. no, no, you're not to say that. I, I love you more than anything else in the world, my darling. I've always loved you. Always. Even when I knew you were thinking of her. You don't understand. Whenever you touched me, I knew you were comparing me to her. Whenever you looked at me or spoke to me or walked in the garden with me, I knew what you were thinking. This is what I did with Rebecca. This and this, but you, I... You thought I loved Rebecca? You thought that? I hated her. You... You hated her? I never had a moment's happiness with her. She was incapable of love, of tenderness, or even simple decency. You didn't love her. You, you, you didn't love her. She used to taunt me with her faithlessness, with how we'd fooled the world, with what a rotten fraud our marriage was. She knew what the family name meant to me, that I'd suffer anything rather than drag it through the muck of a divorce. Can you understand how I felt? Of course, darling. Of course I can. She was very clever about her affairs at first. After a while, she began to grow careless. Yes. She even had one of her friends visit her here, here, in this very cottage. I warned her about that. I told her if I found him on the grounds, I'd shoot them both. One night, when she thought I'd go into London, I came here, hoping to surprise them. But he hadn't arrived as yet. She laughed at me and oh. said, Maxim, 
You know, if ever I have a child, no one could prove that it isn't yours. She must have read what was in my mind because she laughed again and asked, What is it, Maxim? Are you going to kill me? I suppose I went mad for a moment. I must have struck her. She stood staring at me. She looked almost triumphant. And then she fell. Her head hit against a heavy piece of ship's tackle. When I bent down to help her, she was dead. But you didn't kill her. It was an accident. I didn't think anyone would believe me. I lost my head. Oh. I carried her out to the boat. I put her in the cabin. When we seemed a safe distance from shore, I opened the sea cocks and the water poured in. Yes. Then I pulled away in the dinghy and watched her sink. Maxim, no one knows. Only you and I. Then, darling, you're safe. Rebecca's dead. That's what we've got to remember. She's dead. She can't speak. She can't harm you anymore. I identified that other woman. I identified her as Rebecca. But you could have made a mistake. Oh, darling, I'm not going to let you go now. I can't. It's too late. No, it isn't too late. I've loved you very much. I shall always love you. Oh, darling. But her shadow was between us all along. Yes, but it isn't anymore. Not now. No. I knew that Rebecca would win in the end. No, no, she hasn't won. No matter what happens now, she hasn't won. Hello? Oh, yes, Frank. Who? Colonel Julian. Yes, of course. I'll be right up. Who is it, Max? Who's Colonel Julian? The chief constable of the county. He wants to talk to me. Blasted nuisance, this thing, Maxim. I'm very sorry and all that. Thank you, Colonel. Of course, we could make a simple thing of it, following one set of facts. What facts? Well, suppose Mrs. De Winter was in the cabin and a squall hit the boat with no one at the helm. And probably the door jammed and she couldn't get on deck again. Exactly. The trouble is, uh, this diver fellow claims he found all the seacocks open. They can only be opened from inside the boat. So, looks like a clear case of suicide to me. Suicide? That's not the truth. Danvers, I'd prefer it if you knocked before you came in. We're all equal before the law, Mr. De Winter. It's only my duty to tell what I know. What do you know? Mrs. De Winter never committed suicide. She wasn't that kind. And besides, she'd been to see the doctor in London just that afternoon. Dr. Baker on Goldhawk Road. Oh, come, come now. What's that got to do with it? Mrs. DeWinter had everything in the world to live for. The doctor had told her she was going to have a child. Oh, what good will it do, Colonel, bringing us all the way to London? We know what the doctor will say. Never can tell, Maxim. Danvers wouldn't have lied. She must have known we could check her story. Well, Maxim, that's all we're doing. Frank, if the doctor bears her out, I haven't a chance. Well, first, let's hear what the doctor says, if he says it. Gentlemen, I've been doing a good deal of thinking in there. We doctors have certain ethics, of course, but under the circumstances... Do you mean you'll answer our questions, doctor? If they pertain to medicine. That's fair enough. Doctor, the last time you saw Mrs. De Winter, what did you tell her? I told her she was carrying a child. You did? And that she'd never bear it. Why not? Cancer. 
deep-rooted and malignant. She couldn't possibly have had more than two months to live. I was right, gentlemen. It was suicide. Maxim, there are certain laws about speed, you know. When I telephoned, she said she'd wait up. Frank, there's something you don't know. No, there isn't. I didn't kill Rebecca, Frank. But I know now that when she told me about the child, she wanted me to kill her. That was her plan. Don't think about it anymore. Don't even... Frank, look. Over that hill. That's strange. It's too early for dawn. It's not the dawn. That's fire. Frank, that's Manderley. Mrs. DeWinter. Well, I thought I saw her, sir. Oh, where, where? Maxim. If anything's happened to... Oh, Maxim. Thank heaven you've come back to me. Oh, darling, darling, are you all right? Oh, Maxim. It's Mrs. Danvers. She's gone mad. She started the fire. She said she'd rather destroy Mandalay than, than see us happy here. Look. Look, the West Wing. Max, she's up there. She's in the West Wing in Rebecca's room. There he goes. Mrs. Danvers. Don't cry anymore, darling. No. It's over. It's all over now. Is it, Max? Is it really over? Fire burns clean, they say. Even shadows. Even shadows. No more shadows between us, my beloved. No more shadows... The Screen Guild Players are directed by Bill Lawrence. The adaptations are by Harry Cronman. Remember, Thursday night is Screen Guild Night. And next week, one of the greatest stories that came out of the war. A thrilling tale of espionage and intrigue. 20th Century Fox Studios' great dramatic story of the OSS. 13 Rue Madeleine. Starring Humphrey Bogart, Leon Ames, William Lundigan, and John Beale. Be sure to listen. Rebecca was presented through the courtesy of David O. Selznick, whose forthcoming production is Portrait of Jenny. Loretta Young will soon be seen in the Hal Wallace production, The Accused. John Lund is currently appearing in Miss Tatlock's Millions, both Paramount Pictures. Tomorrow night, The Jimmy Durante Show with Alan Young. And remember, Thursday night is Screen Guild Night. The greatest stars and the greatest stories. This is Vern Smith speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And that's the Screen Guild Theater presentation of Rebecca from November 18, 1948, starring Loretta Young. Also in the cast, John Lunn. That was Vern Smith doing the, uh, doing the announcing, sponsored by Camel Cigarettes, although we removed all of the cigarette commercials as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. 
Well, Lisa, next time, will you be here? I'll be here. All right, we're going to tune in to Let George Do It, which was a uh, good detective adventure starring Bob Bailey. And then after he uh, played George uh, Valentine on Let George Do It, he went on to play yours truly, Johnny Dollar. So good episode for you. Also, Ed Begley's in the cast. That's Ed Begley Jr.'s daddy who's on this show. And then we'll also tune into part one of the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. I know you like that series. So that's next time here on Hollywood 360. Join us then from Carl, Lisa, and Mike. We'll see you next time.